The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back to the last word, Ro McDermott from the oh, a big apartment, Ro McDermott from the Irish Times or for Hot Press is with us, and also Brian Lloyd from Entertainment.ie. I had the wrong script there, my rugby script opened in front of me. Now, not the movies one. Brian Rowe, you're very glad, very glad you're here in the studio with us. Uh, this week's movie releases, we've a lot to get through, and the first one I get to is probably the biggest one of the week, which is Watcher. Uh, not to be confused with the Netflix series of it, Brian. You've watched this one. Yeah, so this is very kind of like a, I suppose, rear window, glossy kind of thriller. Micah Monroe, who people will know from It Follows, uh, her and her husband, played by Carl Glusman, um, arrive in Bucharest, are set up in this very fashionable apartment. He's going off and working all the time. She feels a lot more kind of isolated than she's ever done. She's walking around a strange city and begins to notice that there is somebody looking at her from her apartment. And then she kind of notices him in the shop. And it kind of plays with the whole idea of, I suppose, like female anxiety and the idea of, you know, women aren't aren't believed in the kind of almost gaslit in a little sort of way. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I think it plays with some really interesting ideas because Julia, the lead character, she doesn't speak the language. And so from the second she gets in the taxi at the airport, her and the, her husband and the taxi driver are having a conversation. And the taxi driver makes kind of a comment of, oh, your wife's so beautiful. And she can tell something unnerving is happening, but she doesn't understand what exactly what the conversation is. And this is such a huge thread in this film that she feels constantly alienated. She's dependent on her husband to make her feel involved, connected and safe, but he's off working. So she's wandering the streets alone, not connecting with anybody feeling isolated and then noticing this man repeatedly. In the background, there are news reports of a serial killer on the loose. And so she's doubting herself. She's feeling afraid. But her husband is trying to be respectful, but also indicating pretty clearly that he thinks she's overreacting, thinks she's just depressed and anxious. So she starts gaslighting herself and doubting herself. But what becomes really interesting is this idea of, is this paranoia? Is this anxiety? Is this justified fear? But also Julia then becomes really preoccupied with this neighbour across the way who's looking looking at her and she begins to watch him. So the boundaries begin to blur between who is watching who, who is making who uncomfortable and that causes her to doubt herself even more and I think the film is so interesting how it's stylized, the way it plays with corridors, space sound, every sound, the silences are deafening but the sounds are too loud. The proportions of every room feel a little bit off, hallways are too long and too narrow so every space that Julia enters feels uncomfortable and feels alienating so there's so much here about the style the the story, the theme and the performance that are playing with these ideas of is this justified fear or is this paranoia and alienation? So I think thematically and stylistically it's really interesting. Yeah, let's have a clip from it and here is Julia when she hears a scream from her neighbour's apartment. Irina. <laughs> Irina. Irina. I heard screaming from in here, okay? If we can just get the key. The keys are in here, okay? Can we get the key, please? Just open the door, please. Bedroom. 
a dărâmat o pisică. Si? It was cat. I get the sense you both like this film, mm. yet some of the other reviews are that it's kind of disappearing then into just kind of your standard kind yeah. of horror flick. I would say, I mean, personally myself, I mean, I think the last kind of 20 minutes of it is what sets it back because as soon as the watcher is revealed, you're like, yep, that's him. That's exactly the guy because it's a well-known actor. I mean, that's kind of the problem with this is that, you know, it doesn't have a big enough cast for it to kind of... I guess, envelope the character enough to, you know, make the reveal big. But then again, maybe that's not the point, really. Like, I suppose, like, the ending, the takeaway that I got from it was, was, hey, maybe you should actually listen to people when they're telling you that they're scared. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, her, the last scene in it is brilliant, like, and almost kind of a little bit funny in a way, because the way she kind of, well, I'm kind of giving it, I don't want to give it away, but it's no, very... don't do the spoilers. Yeah, I won't do the spoilers. <laughs> but, like, the, the final scene is very good and very funny, but it's almost like the kind of 19 minutes leading up to that is a little bit weak, I thought. I think what's interesting is, as you hear in the clip, there's a lot of Romanian in it, and it doesn't use subtitles. So, yeah. as a viewer who doesn't speak the language, you are also alienated. So, I think it's very good at really putting you in the mindset of this character. However, I found she was too thinly drawn. Like, I didn't know anything about her apart from her fear. And I think it's playing with this idea of rear window, as Ryan said, also hints of Rosemary's baby, this idea of a community being hostile towards a single woman. Um, but I think if the character was more well drawn, we would have been more invested in her. So, I think it's clever, it's elegant. I did find it really, really atmospheric. I don't know if I'll remember it in a year. Oh, that sounds really sad, Happy. The way you both set it up at the start. <laughs> no, it's I think good. I, I really, I think if you want to go, like, you know, we're just out of Halloween. I think if you want an atmospheric horror to go see in the cinema, really good in the cinema where you will really soak in the atmosphere. Well, it's standard test of time. I think it's a bit too slight, but I really enjoyed it. Okay, let's move on to the next one. And that is The Wonder. Who wants to go through this one? Yeah, I'll take this one. So this is set in Ireland in the 1800s. Florence Pugh is recruited by a group of uh, village elders to... Once come- more with feeling Brian <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so they are sent into uh, she's sent into a village uh, to basically observe this young woman played by Keela Lord Cassidy who it appears has not uh, taken any meal uh, inside of four months she's paired up with a nun the village elders believe that this is a religious miracle but of course Florence Pugh is a nurse and is bound by science and it has to kind of basically figure it out. Um, this is based on Emma Donoghue's novel from people I know who've read it. It's not one of her best and to be honest, I mean, I, okay, I enjoyed this. I think it's very atmospheric. I think it has a lot to say but I do think that there is a kind of a framing device in this, which, and I'm not giving this away because this is literally in the first two mm. minutes of it. It opens on a soundstage. Yeah, what? exactly. Yeah, you just made that, you made the exact same face I made when it was like, why are we looking at a soundstage? And then like Neve Algar's voice appears and it's Neve Algar, the actor, and she's talking about, this is a story about, you know, she explains the entire story. And then halfway through the film, she like turns to the camera and looks right down the lens almost like waving at you and then at the end of the film and at the end of the film it's um you know like the end the end scene it's all very atmospheric or whatever and then just the camera pans away again into the sound studio and Eve Algar is just like standing there in her normal clothes now look I get it this is an art house drama I understand that this is like talking about you know people will tell narratives to self-soothe and it's about how you know they have meaning for us even if they're not necessarily real and there's faith and all that but I just found it like too pretentious <laughs> Ro can you enlighten us as to whether this film is this a 
poor person's uh, look last week we had Banshee of Inish, Inish Man uh, mm. and Sheeran yeah Inish, there we go <laughs> no I think it's doing interesting things I agree I, I like the framing device on paper I don't think the film is good enough to justify mm. it I but think the, the ca- themes of the I'm film are really- at, so I'm looking at the cast here you've got Kieran Hines Neve Algar you have Brian F. O'Byrne and you have Toby Jones in it as well yeah. I'm going to say Kieran Hines and Toby Jones are so underused yes. for such incredible actors so they play this committee of men who have brought this English nurse over Florence Pugh plays Lib who has trained with Florence Nightingale she's been in Crimea she's incredibly qualified and this group of Catholic men basically hire her and then ignore her so it's a woman who is up against the dominant narrative which is Sebastian Lelio the director that's his beloved theme so his his other films of Gloria Bell a fantastic woman disobedience are also against about women confronting disrupting narratives but it's also about this family of this 11 year old girl and the narratives that go on within the family and the stories they create in order to survive to protect each other and how these stories ultimately harm each other. It's also about the relationship between Lib and this young girl who is very devout, who has been held up as a saint. And then this woman who's brought in not only to doubt her, but maybe to watch her die. And I think that's what the confronting device at the start is also doing. It's saying Lib's role in this film is maybe to watch a young girl die in order to prove a story created by a committee of men and the religious community that they're in. And it's asking us as viewers, like, what's the point where you watch something? And then what's the point where you have to act? So these are really interesting questions. I think Florence Pugh is always a joy to watch. I think something really important to note is this is about a young girl who is supposedly starving herself. There is no shot of her body whatsoever. It's not glorifying a young girl who is not eating, which I know was incredibly important to Emma Jonu. And there's scenes of Florence Pugh eating. And even though it's, you know, it's not 1860s Ireland, like it's it's not particularly appetising food. But it's this idea of what sustains us. Is it the narratives we have? Is it the belief we have in each other? Is it the connection? And is it food? So I think it plays with really interesting themes. I think the score by Matthew Herbert is really interesting because it could have been very typically Irish fiddle-dee-dee, but it's quite eerie and atmospheric. I think the way it's shot is beautiful. I think there are incredible actors here who are underused. There's also a subplot with a journalist that I felt was really shoved in there. I think there's really interesting themes. Florence Pugh, I will watch her in anything. I think this could have been stronger, but I found it interesting. Brian, I, again, you got a good cast. I think maybe just a little bit, a couple of things just went wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of, yeah, I think there's an element of like, it was trying to do 10 things at once. Like another point that um, that was in this film as well was the fact that it's like, you know, 10 years after, well, 10, 15 years after the famine. And here's Florence Pugh, an English woman, mm. arriving into the middle of the Midlands and basically trying to kind of talk sense into these like dumb Irish people that think, you know, that this woman is, a, this young girl is a saint or whatever. And there's another aspect of that as well is, is who's actually right here. I mean, you are kind of led to believe that there is actually something miraculous happen. And I do think that's something that, again, could have been done better is that, you know, how is it that this has happened? We're only just following Florence Pugh as she arrives into it. So automatically we are sceptical of it. But then we have to try take, you know, the men and the family around her. We have to take them at face value, but it doesn't really work. So, yeah. All right, let's move on because I really want to get through this one. And this is a documentary about Lyra McKee, uh, Roe. Take us through it. Yeah, so if people remember, on April 18th, 2009, a young 29-year-old investigative reporter who had done really incredible work. She had spoken about growing up in Northern Ireland during the trouble, at the end of the Troubles. She grew up, uh, she was gay. She had written really, really important stories and she was at uh, an event in Derry that turned into a riot and she was hit in the head by a bullet and died. And this bullet was ostensibly aimed at PSNI off- uh, officers, but she was shot and killed in front of her fiancé. And her death caused just such an outcry of 
grief and devastation in Ulster and beyond. But Alison Miller is the director here and she was a family friend of uh, of Mickey and her family. And she really doesn't want to turn this into a martyrdom story. She wants to really capture who Lee Rimkey was, her joy, her passion for investigative journalism, her sense of humour. And what she has at her disposal is a huge, huge wealth of family videos, of recordings of Lee Rimkey speaking to herself, of interviewing people, recordings from her fiancé. So you really get a sense of this young journalist's voice, her passion, her humour. And then it's about it's about her life uh, growing up gay. It's about her desire to get into journalism, the story she would, the story she was investigating. The director picks up on those stories and comes back to them to really keep her voice going. Um, it's interviews with her family around the death and the funeral. Um, but it's also about Northern Ireland and it's about the violence that is still happening and it's about a generation that is still racked by the violence of Northern Ireland. Yeah, well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, Brian, 10 seconds, My Father's Dragon. Uh, yeah, this is a great, uh, great uh, animated one uh, from Cartoon Saloon based on the children's book novel of the same name. Really, really enjoyed this great varied cast. Whoopi Goldberg, Ian McShane, Jacob Tremblay, Gaten Matarazzo, people will know from Stranger Things, Chris O'Dowd is in it. Yeah, really, really enjoyable. Great little kids movie and it's on, it's in cinemas this week and then it's on Netflix next week. Okay, Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie and Roe McDermott, movies editor with Hot Press. Thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-